Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Daily Doctor's Kitchen with me, your host, Dr. Rupi. I'm a medical doctor and cookbook author, and The Daily Doctor's Kitchen is a series of bite-sized nuggets of information all to do with food, nutritional medicine, and healthy living taken from my main podcast, The Doctor's Kitchen Podcast. And if you want to learn how to eat well every day, check out my free recipes, books, newsletter, and download the app at thedoctorskitchen.com. So I, I've been doing some work as part of my uh, master's in nutritional medicine uh, at, at the University of Surrey. And one of the um, uh, topics that I'm going to be, be doing my project on is the the consumption of fruit and vegetables as a strategy. It's a very simple strategy to improve the health of the population uh, across the board. And when you look at uh, the five-a-day campaign, I think everyone is very aware of, despite the popularity and the knowledge base of having five-a-day, the average consumption is around three portions of fruit and vegetables per day. And that spectrum is from zero to over five. Um, and you look across different countries and their respective five-day campaigns, some of it's sometimes seven, sometimes it's 10. In the case of Japan, I think it's about 10 or 30 different species uh, per week or per day. Uh, and, and the levels of consumption mirror that. So it, it seems as if, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth there, but one of the reasons why we might be seeing an increase of a whole bunch of different degenerative issues that you've just named there, like arthritis, uh, cancer, and, and diabetes, uh, of which cancer is one that we're talking about today, um, could be in part related to the lack of consumption in combination with all the other features that we know that are important, sedentary lifestyles, lack of socialization, lack of exposure, uh, lack of appropriate exposure, I should say, to UV rays. Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the five a day was just, you know, I, we've all sit, sat on these committees uh, and we've had, you know, supposedly clever people coming up with a figure. I mean, that's just an arbitrary number, which was was based on, you know, could we initiate change? And there's no point being too ambitious, is it? Because people will just ignore it completely. But there's lots of work. There's a paper called Pierce, which looked at people who had breast cancer and looked at the level of um, uh, fruit and veg they had a day. And there was benefits going up to, you know, 10, 15 different portions of vegetables and fruit a day. So five is a bare minimum. We would get much more benefit for more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's whatever is achievable. But in Britain, we're not even achieving that. And I would totally agree with you. I, 
I, you know, if we were to, at a very young age, try to persuade our children and, and uh, everyone else to, to, to eat much, probably double or even three times the amount of fruit and bread, more herbs and spices. Fortunately, in Britain, we had the Indian influx in the 80s, which brought herbs. Because, mm. um, I mean, I don't think I grew up with a herb. I didn't know what a herb was when I grew up in South Wales. But as soon as I got to university, you know, it was curries every three times a week. And, and fortunately, those are very high in polyphenols. Mm. And, and uh, so, that, you know, it's, it's, the herb side is, in, is improving, but the levels of vegetables and fruit is still quite low. Yeah, yeah. And with, with regard to like herbs and spices and different polyphenols, so there are a bunch, a bunch of different reasons as to why um, they might be beneficial uh, from a cancer perspective, right? I wondered if we could just talk about the potential mechanisms by which polyphenols exert their anti-cancer effects, because I understand that, you know, there are direct and indirect mechanisms for those. Um, yeah, so... Um... I mean, again, this is this is a big subject, and I've written a paper on it. If anyone wants to read it, um, we try to compartmentalise um, research foods into different categories, but they, they sort of cross over. Um, most uh, most poly well, we put it in order. So most polyphenols and phytochemicals have a, a prebiotic property. So um, unhealthy bacteria um, don't have. Uh, the ability to use this um, breakdown po product of polyphenols called butyrate, and they, they, they eat sugar. So if you have a lot of sugar and low polyphenols, it, it gives a state where the bad bacteria, for the sake of argument, uh, uh, will grow. If you have more polyphenols, it, they, they're broken down in the gut, uh, they form this butyrate, which feeds the healthy bacteria. They also feed the uh, lining healthy gut lining cells so uh, so polyphenol rich diet will feed the healthy bacteria which will reduce gut inflammation they then in feed the gut cells themselves which improves gut integrity and reduces permeability and there's a phrase which some doctors like some don't call leaky gut syndrome I think it describes it quite well. I don't know about you. I, I quite like the term leaky gut because I think it, it, it really gives an idea in a patient's mind about what's going on. But I say to them, if they want to look it up in the literature, use uh, intestinal uh, hyperpermeability because you'll find more papers than that. Uh, absolutely right. So I, I, I'm, all for, I'm all for sort of uh, easier names to remember. So, so, if you, if you then, so if you don't eat polyphenols, your gut health will get poor. You'll have an overgrowth of unhealthy bacteria. Uh, your gut will become more permeable. So then when you have toxins, other toxins in food, like the acrylamides or the polycyclic aromatic carbon, they're absorbed quicker. Mm. Now, when they're absorbed into your gut, this creates a, a state of systemic inflammation. Um, and your immunity starts reacting to these toxins, a higher level of toxins. Now, the theory, for example, for type 1 diabetes is, is not proven, but is, you know, your immunity is fighting these toxins, which sometimes it thinks, which are foreign, but they're very similar to maybe normal gut cells. So uh, they start attacking them. And, and as a byproduct of attacking the toxins, it then attacks the joints, the pancreas, causing diabetes, uh, the heart, the brain. So this chronic inflammation is, is a very serious, um, you know, over many years, is a very serious situation where your own body is, is attacking your own cells.
I hope you enjoyed today's Daily Doctor's Kitchen. The Doctor's Kitchen podcast is where I discuss multiple topics around nutritional medicine and well-being with experts and researchers from around the globe. And you can find me on social media at doctors underscore kitchen. Sign up for free recipes every single week at thedoctorskitchen.com. And don't forget to download the app. I'm Dr. Rupi. Have a beautiful day. <music>